Genesis chapter 19. My name is Pastor Oetla Simangani, thanking you for joining us as we journey through the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 19. There we find recorded the progression of Lot's assimilation into Sodom. Initially, he had moved his tent as far as Sodom. That is chapter 13, verse 12. Next, he is described as dwelling in Sodom, chapter 14, verse 12. And here, he is pictured as sitting in the gate of Sodom, chapter 19, verse 1. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us close our eyes with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are present with us, that you walk with us, and that you talk with us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we pray that, dear Father, our feet may be firmly rooted in the path of righteousness. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. We find in the Bible the caution that is given that do not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of the unrighteous or sit in the seat of mockers. There is something about our progressive movement that can get us into closer and closer proximity with that which we abhor, and next thing we find ourselves sitting in complete comfort with it. What we find here is exactly the same with this man by the name of Lot. He has been progressively moving. When Abraham said to him, choose a place, we are told that he moved in the direction of, right? As far as Sodom, it was in that general vicinity. And then next thing we find him dwelling in Sodom in the next chapter. And now we find him sitting in the gate of Sodom. He is comfortable there. It is as though he is even having a prominent position, sitting with leaders as it were. He is sitting in the gate of Sodom. There is a lesson here for all of us that our lives, you get on a road that leads you to a particular destination. Have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here, right? How did I arrive at this place? One step at a time, you did. At first, you were walking together with a certain group. And then next thing, you were standing. And then next thing, you are sitting and you're comfortable. Now, although Lot had become a city dweller, he still practiced the grand hospitality that was typical of Abraham's family. Like Abraham, he bowed low to the ground when these angels came. And because of the late hour, he offered appropriate hospitality, a bed. Abraham was very hospitable too. He offered a meal. Uh, Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. When the angels reject his offer of hospitality, he pressed them strongly. You know, he could not simply accept that they would not receive his hospitality. He pressed them strongly. Lot understood the risks and so was rather forceful. In the same way, the angels later 
are forceful in saving him. <laughs> and so here, he, 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 he uses his energy. He is uh, rather persuasive and he is persistent so that they can respond to him knowing what the risks are. And you see later in the story, the angels who know what risk is coming, who know what shall befall the city, understanding what is awaiting Lot and his family, they also are forceful in saving them. It is tit for tat, as it were. As Lot seemed to fear, there is an attempted assault and rape of the angels, just as he feared. Homosexual practice had become a dominant way of life in Sodom. Such texts as Leviticus 18 verse 22 and 24 and Leviticus 20 verse 13 and 23 reveal that homosexuality had become one of the common perversions of the Canaanites. And here in Sodom, Canaanite culture had descended into the added depths of sexual violence so that it was not just the distortion of orientation, but there is here a violence that, that moves with it. So you have a contrast between hospitality and the lack thereof, expressed in the most extreme fashion. Listen to this description. But before they lay down, we are talking here of the angels, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last men, Listen to that description. Surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out, that we may know them. Verse 4 and 5. What a vivid description. It is one that anyone would really be scared, anyone would come to fear, anyone would be brought to paralysis in the face of such a situation. Sexual aberration was quite in vogue here. And you can see that it is not just one man who comes, it is not just two, but the description speaks about all of the men, you know, coming, old and young. Uh, this aberration was especially true of the Canaanite cult of the fertility gods, for when you look at the context, the fertility gods of Baal and Astat, which was erotic. You look at Leviticus 18 verse 22, Leviticus 20 verse 13 to 23, you get a picture of this. And so it was also a religious expression, that this aberration. Lot's home was therefore encircled by a vast mob of lusting men of every age. And the violence and the evil that led to the cry reaching up to heaven is displayed in this moment. And the angels are, as it were, potential victims of that which has been the cry of the people reaching up to heaven. The angels come to meet out justice. And they meet the reason for the need of justice. Now, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, God condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, greatly distressed by the, sex, the sensual conduct and the sexual conduct of the wicked, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, 
according to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 to 9. And God does save Lot. In other words, if wickedness will increase in this world to the point where God will have to descend and mete out justice, where fire and brimstone seen in Sodom and Gomorrah shall be the end of this world, for we know that it shall be cleansed with fire. We can also know that in the same way that God saves Lot, he will also be able to save the righteous in this world. He will be able to deliver and rescue the godly from such justice and judgment. Despite his own wickedness, you know, he was not a perfect man. Uh, revealed even by his offering of the daughters. You read the story. He then says, you know, you can have my daughters. And I guess the daughters also thank God that the mob did not accept the offer. They are offended that he does not approve of their action. The mob is very offended. How can you not approve of what our desires are? I want to tell you today, beloved, that we live in a world where people will be offended when you do not approve of their actions. When you do not approve of their behavior, 1 Peter 4 verse 4 says, They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. In their eyes, the absence of approval is unforgivably judgmental. We live in a world where if you do not endorse a certain way of life, if you do not approve of it, then you are branded as unforgivably judgmental. You are branded to have a phobia of this and a phobia of that. And in fact, you can be taken to courts for not approving of a certain way, for speaking against a certain way of life, for speaking against unrighteousness and declaring that God in his Bible does not approve of something. Then the man said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? These are not the men in the city that are asking. These are the angels. Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place because of the outcry against its people. It has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 12 and 13. Beloved, we live in a world where the cry of the innocent in this world, the victims of great injustices, mounts as it goes up to heaven. God hears the cry, and justice shall indeed prevail. They take them by the hand almost forcefully. The angels use force as an act of mercy. Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. Verse 17. I want to declare also today that you are to escape for your life and do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. Beloved, Jesus is coming very soon and I want to say to us today that there are angels that shall declare to peoples in this world through the airwaves, through books and in whatever ways to alert the world to the impeding and to the impending judgment to that which is about to happen in this world. And I am crying to you today, run for your life. Go and seek mercy for Jesus is able to save you today. Lot's wife behind him looked back and as she became a pillar of salt in verse 26, we ask ourselves, why did she fatally linger? Why did she wait? Why did she look back? Was it because of family? 
Was it because of pleasures in the back? Was it some delights that she was missing? Jesus provided the cue in his warning to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He says, On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Luke 17, verse 31 and 32. Apparently, she lost her life because of her reluctance to let go of her household stuff. Her sorrow over her goods so fixated her that she could not or would not move. Perhaps she decided that she would rather or better die, be, be dead than separated from her possessions. She thought of her, if you can be current today, of her labeled clothes and labeled bags, her designer goods and so forth. For her, it was possessions. For others, it can be many other things. It can be a reputation. It can be a relationship. It can be a particular lust. It can be a particular comfort. And to all, to you, Jesus says, remember, Lord's wife, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Luke 17, 32 and 33. For what will you lose salvation for? Will you lose salvation because you desire one thing or another? What is it that so engrosses you in this world, in this present world, that you will lose your salvation? The day of judgment is also a day of salvation, beloved. Remember, Lord's wife, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day is coming, says the Lord, the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. That is the word of the Lord. And I pray to you, I pray that God indeed would save you in the day that judgment comes. Let us close our eyes as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God that saves. And we pray that as you save us, as you have mercy upon us, that Lord, you would help us to be angels too, angels that send a message to others, to warn them of impending judgment, to warn them of a fire that is coming. But we pray that our motivation is not one of fear, but that it is one also that sees the great mercy and the love of Jesus. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.